0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of Blood and Popcorn. Man, I love this time of year. I truly do. And I love going to social media and seeing other people excited that fall is coming. The air is getting a little crisp as the leaves are beginning to fall. You know, and I love seeing pictures of the things that people are buying at Spirit of Halloween. You know, I guess it's interesting that we've all just sort of collectively decided that October goes by way too fast. So we've just drafted September as part of the Halloween season. So I like it officially start September 1st for us now. It's also the season of cognitive dissonance, too, right? Because we go to the store to buy our Halloween stuff and we see that the Christmas stuff is already out. And we're like, good Lord. But we're also the same people that show up at the store at midnight on August 31st saying, dude, where's your Halloween stuff? We got to get going. <laughs> right? Why isn't it out yet? uh i also see a lot of posts from people looking to round out their october viewing lists and i thought i'd throw a a few titles out there three of them actually which are likely not on anyone's radar but would be very good films to add to your rotation uh but first i want to say something to twitter reply guy because whenever people start talking about ramping up their horror film watches for the month of october there's always that one dude who like pops into everyone's timeline I watch horror films all year round because I'm a true horror fan. Look, all horror fans are true horror fans, otherwise they wouldn't be horror fans. Are there varying degrees to which one is interested in the genre? Okay, sure, but you don't have to wear a red mohawk leather pants and have a friggin' chicken bone shoved through your nose to prove you like punk rock music, know what I'm saying? It's silly, and it's really childlike thinking. If you feel you have to prove something, chances are you're compensating for something else somehow. All horror fans watch horror films all year round, but I think we often lean toward what we already know because our lives are busy. So when you do finally get a chance to sit down and watch something, you can either roll the dice with an unknown title and risk that that you know rare two hours is going to be spent on dreck. Or you can guarantee the quality of that time by watching something you've seen before and know you already like or a film by someone whose work you're already familiar with, like choosing to watch Malignant by James Wan, a filmmaker with a proven track record, versus a new horror film that just hit Netflix by somebody you've never even heard of. Time is currency, currency you can never make more of, so we always want to spend it wisely, unless you're an absolute idiot oblivious to the concept that we're all running out of time every single day. So for me, October is when I'm looking to take the time to check out a movie I've heard about but never got around to watching, or watch an older film that I never saw. I mean, there are a lot of Universal classics I have never seen, simply because there are a ton of them. And not all of them were on my radar. I mean, once you get past the originals, Wolfman, Dracula, Creature, Frankenstein, whatever, there's what, 26 sequels and spin-offs, Something like that? And no, I have not seen every single Hammer film either, or every single Amicus film. This is the time of year I'll make an effort to do that. So, um, oh, that's that's the other thing about Twitter Reply Guy. Someone will post, hey, I'm finally going to check this movie out. I never got around to seeing. I really hope I like it. And here comes Twitter Reply Guy. Oh, my God. How have you not seen that movie? Because we have fucking jobs, bro. (laughs) We have house payments and car payments, kids, soccer games, aging parents to take care of, you know, being an adult. Now go now go learn to do your own laundry and stop making your mom do it. Am I being too hard on Twitter, Reply Guy? I don't know. It's doubtful. You know, the other thing I noticed is that there are a lot of, you know, young people on, you know, social media, young horror fans, you know, in their 20s, teens, 20s, you know, whatever, who haven't seen all the classics, you know, all the old films like we have. So just, just relax. Let people discover new things. Anyway, I'm going to go ahead and take a stab at guessing that others are doing the same thing I do, which is use the month of October to fill in gaps. Catch up, complete a filmography, or try something new. Uh, that way you're, you're enhancing the season a little bit. You're making, you're making the most out of it. I always think it helps to have a theme. Like week one, you're going to only going to watch Black and White Classics. Week two, you're only going to watch foreign horror films you have in the scene or 70s horror. I did that last year. I think it makes it easier when making your lists. It makes it easier, because there's what there's thousands of horror films to choose from. So by narrowing down the list to a subgenre or a decade, I think it allows you a better vision of the field of possibilities. But I do have three suggestions for you. A film which you may have heard of, but we're like, "Eh, maybe someday, or that were never on your radar at all. So the first one is the 2001 film called Cookers. So this is written by a guy named Jack Moore, who only has one other credit to his name, something called American Crime from 2004, and it was directed by Dan Mins. Now, Dan has actually gone on to have a robust career as an executive producer. Uh, he EP'd the Point Break remake, um, Iron Man 3, about a dozen or so other films. So he, this, this film served him quite well. Cookers asks the question, if you were high on meth 24 hours a day and you stumbled into a haunted house, how would you know? So the story here focuses on Hector and Darina. Uh, These two are an item and both work for some drug dealers. Hector is a street-level dealer, while Darina is the organization's meth cooker. They're Walter White, before there was a Walter White. It's also alluded to that the drug dealers took other liberties with her as well, but they don't go into it too much. It's just sort of mentioned in passing. So to break free of the drug dealers, Hector's taken the initiative of stealing all the chemicals the, org- the organization has on hand to make meth. And he whisks Darina off into country to make their supply so- of meth so they can sell it for a bounty of cash and just leave the country. So with the help of Hector's local yokel friend, Merle, uh, they find an abandoned two-story house way out in the sticks, which is perfect. Because if you don't know, meth labs put off quite the aroma. But, of course, Hector and Dorina are also avid users of the product. So now they have their own abundance of supply to, you know, sample as they're making it for quality control purposes. You know, a bit of a chef's taste. So as Hector and Dorina put their pro- production facility into high gear and continue smoking, snorting, and injecting it themselves, things begin to get weird. There are things moving in the shadows, whispers in the murk. Uh, is the place haunted? Or is it maybe Merle screwing around with them hoping to steal their bounty? Or worse, have the drug dealers track them down? As paranoia sets in, the supernatural occurrences grow in intensity. Are there really demons in the house? Or are they more within? So this is simply a fantastic love budget film. And it's a great pitch. It's a great hook. All right? Hector is played by Brad Hunt who looks to have gone on to have a decent television career, and his performance here is absolutely aces. It's spot on. If you have spent any time around meth addicts, he's got it down. Uh, Darina is played by Sia Batten, and she's also great, and I'm kind of surprised her career didn't evolve much past small roles. Doesn't look like she's done much since 2008-ish, but she's really good here as, as, as well. Merle is played by a dude by the name of Patrick McGaw, and it looks like he was working pretty consistently in the 90s, Up until this film. And it's weird because this is a really good movie. And what was weird watching him though. Is because he has this mustache. And he wears this cap. and, And he's got kind of a mullet in the film. And he looks exactly like this friend I had growing up. A dude who screwed me over. So I was hoping for bad things. For Merle just had a spite uh some may be tempted to call this a slow burn but i think we use that term just a little too loosely to describe films which don't fit into a certain mold Uh, because because of the performances here there really is never a dull moment uh even if the horror elements are sparse or not in your face so i don't think this one will qualify as a slow burn because there's really a lot going on the only place you can see this is on dvd um, I didn't see a Blu-ray because, again, this is like on nobody's radar, and I'm not really sure why. Looks like the DVD still retails for about $20. As far as streaming, it looks like YouTube is it because someone uploaded it there. The quality is okay. It's not great, but it's worth a watch, especially since it's free to you. So, Cookers from 2001, put that on your list. Next up is a 1972 film called terror at red wolf inn now this film popped up on my radar because someone on twitter a few years ago said it was better than the texas chainsaw massacre oh twitter uh well it's not better than the texas chainsaw massacre it is a damn good movie it does predate texas chainsaw by a few years but they are very different films in their narrative and intent So the story here centers on a financially struggling college student by the name of Regina who wins a vacation getaway to a small coastal bed and breakfast ran by an elderly couple. When she arrives, she finds three other female college students there who have also won getaway weekends. And the couple are ex-World War II vets and their beautiful estate has been paid off and now they just want to give back in their final years. But when the girls start to leave in the middle of the night without saying goodbye, Regina begins to think something is amiss here. And it won't take long to figure out what's going on, but this one is all about the process of getting there and the craziness which ensues once we do. This one actually does fall into the slow burn category and is very of its time. That post-Vietnam era in the 70s definitely paved the way for some dark counterculture cinema, especially in the horror genre. And this one is a really fine example of that. This was written by a guy named Alan Actor, who wrote exactly one more produced film, which was the Dungeon Master film for Charles Band in 1984. Uh, He was also a college professor teaching writing at Santa Monica College, and then he went on to become the VP at Columbia School of Broadcasting, and he passed away in 2004. But if he could only be known for one produced film, this is a good one. So this one can be found on Amazon Prime for $0.99 cents to stream. The kids and I also did this film for one of our Wolf Den Theater episodes, which you can find on YouTube. So you can check that out there. It's a really it's a good transfer. And I think the recipe we did for this film was a smoked pork shoulder, which I marinated in Coca-Cola for 24 hours, which adds a sweetness to the meat and helps break the meat down. Anyway, Terror at Red Wolf Linden. You can check it out. Um, like I said, you can do the stream from Amazon. You can do our stream from Wolf Den Theater uh, with me interrupting here and there to give you some facts about the film and of course the recipe Um, and you also may be able to find it on internet archive for free so that brings us to my absolute favorite recommend one that always has people scratching their heads and it's a 1973 film called pigs this film was written and produced and directed by mark lawrence who was better known as an actor appearing in about 200 films in his career Uh, not counting his litany of television appearances, and usually playing the heavy, playing the bad guy. But he wanted to direct, and he chose as his first film, a horror film, Pigs. So the movie opens up with a car racing down a desolate dirt road, just hauling ass, and pulls over, and a woman hops out. She tosses a nurse's uniform into the brush and then races off again, and we have no clue what's going on. Then we meet Mark Lawrence's character, a man named Zambrini, who lives in a rural California area and operates a diner frequented by local oil rig workers. He also raises pigs. And as we all know, as horror fans, the best way to season pig flesh for ripe eating is by feeding them human flesh. Uh, which he gets from robbing fresh graves now there are two old women who live nearby sisters i believe um, and they suspect something's up they don't like zambrini he's weird and they also notice that whenever someone is recently buried that same night zambrini's pigs are quite active and loud and the next day there's a new pig in the pen and then the woman who was driving that car in the opening shows up turns out her name is lynn and she's just looking to lay low while she figures some things out Zambrini takes a liking to her and gives her a room and a job as a waitress, asking virtually no questions about who she is or where she comes from. Uh, and it's sort of like this unspoken agreement between them. Like, he knows that she's off, and she knows that he's off, so let's just not talk to one, talk to one another about it or ask any questions that call it good. Uh, while working at the diner, she draws the attention of one of the oil workers, and he asks her out, and she declines, but he's persistent, so she gives in, And it goes bad. About as bad as you can expect. Zambrini helps her clean up the mess, yes, that's how bad it gets, and the pigs are elated. They're quite happy. And now, presto, Lynn is now part of the pig farming operation and complicit in everything that comes after. And there is a lot, because while all of that sounds like an entire movie that I just described, that is just scratching the surface. Uh, This movie had its premiere in Detroit in 1973, and for an indication of how well received it was... It would not find distribution until 11 years later in 1984. After that, it would get multiple releases, mostly on home video, under about 10 different names, along with multiple cuts of the film. The most popular uh, alternate title is Daddy's Deadly Darling. Other titles include Daddy's Girl, The Thirteenth Pig, Blood Pen, Horror Farm, Roadside Torture Chamber, The Killer, The Killers, Lynn Hart, The Strange Love Exorcist, The Strange Exorcism of Lynn Hart, and The Secret of Lynn Hart. The various cuts of the film include a scene that I don't think is in the official Pig's release. Um, If you find this somewhere out there and it opens with a scene of a murder occurring in silhouette behind curtains at night, that's the Daddy's Deadly Darling cut. That cut was released under the title of Pigs as well. In fact, the Troma label distributed this film on DVD under the title Pigs using that cut, the Daddy's Deadly Darling cut. There's a Vinegar Syndrome release that is the official cut, the cut that Mark Lawrence was most happy with and that represented his true vision of the film. They released that a couple years ago and it's magnificent. It's a beautiful transfer, great documentaries, really a top-notch release, and I would recommend ordering that one uh, and get that here in time for your Halloween viewing. You can can also rent this on Amazon Prime for $3.99. I do not know what cut that is. I haven't you know, since I bought the Vinegar Syndrome, I have not watched the Amazon Prime streaming uh, version, but you can get it for three ninety nine. But I don't know if it's a dad, dad, daddy's deadly darling cut or if it's the official Vinegar Syndrome Mark Lawrence cut. So, Cooker's Terror at Red Wolf Inn and Pigs. Now, if you check any of these out, let me know how you liked them. Hit me up on Twitter at Blood Popcorn Pod. All ran together. Blood Popcorn Pod. So until next time, keep the popcorn warm and the butter hot.